Okay, I ask you to stand with me now as we make use of hymn number 106, 106, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Stand with me as we sing this. <clears throat> Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations ride, join the triumph of the Let me uh, ask you to please turn your attention to our prayer ministry sheet. Um, and this is an awesome way to really keep in touch with um, things to pray for throughout the week. If, if you're someone that likes to look at lists and, and to pray through a list, what, what an awesome list that is made for you just to sit down and pray through. Um, you know, it's, it's so amazing, I think, to think of the fact that God knows each and every one of us more intricately than we even know ourselves. Um, and so when we're praying for someone, it doesn't matter if we don't know their name. The Lord knows who they are, and he knows our hearts and, and praying for them. Um, are there any prayer requests this morning that, that you might have that you would like to share with, with the congregation? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Any others this morning? Yes, true. Hmm. Yes. Sure, sure. Pray for protection. Yes, Steve.
Rockford. And what's his name again? Rockney Smith. Any others this morning? Yes. Nancy Warfel, offering our prayers. Anybody else this morning? Yes, Kelly. Oh, no. Yes. Yes, any others this morning? All right. If we could also keep the Bauer family in our prayers. Um, Dave's mother passed away yesterday. Um, so let's let's keep Dave and Nicole and the family in our prayers. We love you guys and whatever we can do to help. You know, you know, we're here. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious God, you are an awesome God. You are a God of more power than we could ever understand. You're a God of more love than we could understand, a God of more justice than we could ever understand. Um, Lord, we come before you this morning with um, heavy hearts. Uh, Father, there's so many things that are weighing on our hearts this Christmas season. Um, Father, from the loss of loved ones to um, children with cancer to to friends and family who are sick um, or hurt. God, you are the healer. The Bible says you are the great physician, Lord. And we ask that, Father, where healing is needed, that you provide healing. Lord, we think of our nation. We think, Lord, of our leaders. Father, you command us to pray for our leaders. And we, we pray for our leaders. We pray that you give them a sound mind to make a wise decision. Father, we pray for protection from our enemies. Lord, we think of our schools as well, and we think of, of how important they are as they mold the minds of our children. Father, we ask that you just allow the schools, Father, to teach the children, Father, for the children to be respectful, and Father, for the children to eventually come to know you, Father, as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I thank you for the chapel. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Bob, and we pray that he has a great week away, Father, where he doesn't have to worry about anything, Father, where he can come back refreshed and recharged. Lord, this morning, may we glorify your name in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We sing, God rest ye merry gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. All tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. All tidings of comfort and joy. We're going to sing that again, verse 1. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy He has come for us in this
song this morning. The words will be up on the screen. This is a, an older song. Um, 
And actually, Ken told me about it a long time ago. I don't know if you remember Ken. And he told me about this song, and it was on YouTube, and these people singing it. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about how we don't always understand what God is doing, but there's a reason for it. And it might take a long time to see what God is trying to do in your life, but there's a reason that God is allowing you to be in that situation. This song is called Farther Along. It's emptied and tried, we're off made to wonder why it shouldn't be thus all the day long, while there are others living about us, never molested. Going the wrong Father along We'll know all about it Father along We'll understand why And cheer up my brothers Living Stand it all by and by. When death has come and taken our left ones, it leaves our nose so lonely and drear. Then do
Well, again, it's great to be with you this morning, and uh, I, I look forward to Sundays when we can open the Word together. Um, we have the opportunity to see what God has to tell us this week. Um, I think I'm still echoing a little bit, right? A little bit still, still. I'm going to go to a handheld. Would that be better? Check. Try that. Ooh. And I speak a lot louder than that once I get going. So. <laughs> well, before we go any farther, um, let me just say this while they're working on it. Um, thank you so much for all of you who uh, gave to Jeanette Baylor. Um, last week, over $1,000 was raised to be given to Jeanette Baylor. That, that is an awesome thing. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit telling you to give. Um, what an awesome thing. What a great testimony that is to her um, as a church. Also, last night, um, $500 was given to Harold Brass. Um, again, so thank you so much for your generosity um, and the way that you have chosen to, to bless both of those groups of people. Have you ever followed everything that God has told you to do? Have you ever done everything that you felt was right, but you felt like your life continued to go on a downhill spin? Felt like you maybe were in a, in a valley and you couldn't get out of it. There was just nothing you could do to, to make it better. Even though you, you didn't make any mistakes, you didn't sin against God, you, but, but it seemed like life was just getting harder and harder and it wasn't making any sense. And you didn't understand what was going on. What if I told you this morning that feeling alone and discouraged doesn't necessarily mean that you're not following the Lord? Someone once described our ability to see the future as Christians, our ability to see our surroundings as Christians, as we're wearing nearsighted glasses. We can only see about this far in front of us. Everything else is blurry. And sometimes that, that is true in our life, in our walk with God, is that God will be doing something in our life way down the road that we can't even begin to understand, comprehend, or even imagine, right? It's so much out of our box that we would expect. I mean, let me give you an example. He's not here. He always talks about me when I'm not here, so I'm going to talk about him when he's not here. Let's stop the recording. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but Pastor Bob never thought he was going to be a pastor. If you've heard his testimony, you know that he was planning on working at PennDOT, maybe being a professional tennis player someday, but not being a pastor. <laughs> and look where God took it. That was so much out of his box. And God does that in our life. He takes us to a place that we say, whoa, 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 Lord. I, and I've been afraid of that because I've always felt, I grew up on the mission field, but I never wanted to be a missionary. Maybe it's from growing up there, but I said, Lord, that's just not where my heart is. But I have a feeling that someday... God's going to say, I know you don't want to, but tough luck. You're going over here anyways. Because in our weakness, he is strong. I'd like to show you a video this morning. Before that, though, I'd like to read a verse. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Do we believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Are you willing to live into it? Are you willing to give your life to that verse? That God is always working for your good. Let's watch this video. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on, and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, 
you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me, churches were starting to call me, opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear, no one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it, it changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power, it was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave here unchanged. Leave here unchanged. You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. In the first seven years of ministry, God opened up doors for me to speak 2,000 times across 44 countries on six continents from university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking to sex slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica, where you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus. To Korea and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide and to Eastern Europe, where we did Serbia, Slovenia and Croatia. And then doors in the Middle East, the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world. That is God. And we know We've just begun. By the grace of God, we have seen face-to-face -face a half a million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, our goal at Life Without Limbs Ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet. Seven billion people. We believe that this goal... Maybe you've heard of, of this man before, um, farther along. We don't always know what God is doing. I imagine that when he was born, his parents weren't quite sure what to do or how to react. Imagining the life of their child. And I doubt that once they ever thought, that he would become a worldwide evangelist. He actually went to Bolivia. My sister got to listen to him speak. He has a lot of other videos online if you're ever interested in listening to them. Um, he has one where he's, he lays on the ground. He talks about how God gives us the strength to get back up. And without arms and legs, he gets back up. It, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's something you have to watch if you have the time. Um, but and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. God has a reason for everything. We might not understand it until farther along. Today we're going to talk about a man by the name of Joseph. Not Mary and Joseph, but Joseph of the Old Testament, back in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph's entire life was turned upside down, not because of any sinful decisions that he made or turning against the Lord, but because God had a greater plan in store for Joseph than anything that he could ever begin to imagine. Would you turn with me to Genesis 37 this morning? And while you're doing that, let me tell you a little bit about Joseph. Joseph was uh, Jacob's favorite son. He was one of 12 sons to Jacob. And his brothers became very jealous. And we're going to read 37. This uh, whole 
story of Joseph is many chapters in the Word of God, so I'm going to kind of summarize once we get out of 37, the rest of it. I strongly encourage you that when you are spending time alone with the Lord this week, reading His Word, that you go through and read the story of Joseph. There are so many life applications and lessons that we can learn from the story of Joseph. It, it really is a very challenging story in the Bible. Genesis 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending his flocks with his brothers, the son of Billah and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, also known as Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while the sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream that he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. This time, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Joseph's brothers were jealous of Joseph, I believe, for three reasons. They hated Joseph for three reasons. And, and the, the hatred that Joseph's brothers had toward him are, is very key to this whole story. The first reason, I believe, that they hated his brother, first and foremost, and probably the main reason, was that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. And it wasn't just a, I think dad loves him more than me. It was a, I know dad loves him more than me. Because Jacob gave Joseph what we would call the coat of many colors. And it was only the Joseph. It's like I would pick someone of all my children and say, hey, I'm going to give this to you. Everybody else, see how much I love him. And his brothers witnessed that. And, and you can imagine that would cause a little bit of jealousy. That would cause a little bit of frustration. Why does dad love him more than me? Why does he care about him more than me? That's not, that's not right. The second reason, I believe, is in verse 2, where, where the Bible says that Joseph came back to Jacob and gave a bad report to their father about his brothers. Now, if you have any brothers, I, I, I have a brother, I hated it when my brother would tell my parents something bad about me. I mean, that was like the worst thing. That wasn't his job to do. If somehow that got back to them, then okay. But it was not my brother's job to tattletale on me. And it seemed like that was something that Joseph did. The last reason, I believe, is that after all of his hatred and anger, they have to sit down and listen to him tell these dreams about where they were all going to bow down before him one day. <laughs> Let's continue on. Verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring the word back to me. Then he sent them off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben, one of Joseph's brothers, heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take them back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they, they captured him. They stripped him, of his ornate, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe that he was wearing. They took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, with balmath, myrrh, and they were on their way to take them to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him. 
After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agree. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. We're going to stop there this morning. Let me just recap really quickly what Joseph did wrong so far in his life that we're made aware of. Nothing. Maybe, maybe Joseph tattletailed on his brothers. Maybe it was a reason, something that he should have told. We're not really made aware of that. But all of a sudden, Joseph is hated. There's this anger that causes their brothers to want to kill him. I mean, they were talking about killing him and then lying to their own father. So they grab him, they throw him in a well, they take his robe, and they decide to sell him into slavery. Now, now slavery, there's nothing good about slavery. There just isn't. There's no value for human life. Back then, I mean, he would have been abused. He would have been taken advantage of in every way. And Joseph has done nothing wrong up until this point, and and he's sold into slavery from the same brothers that, that, that are supposed to love him. His brothers take his robe, they tear it up, they dip it into goat's blood, they take it back to their father Jacob, and they say, Father, look. And they let Jacob kind of come to his own conclusions about what happened, about maybe a ferocious animal killed Joseph, devoured Joseph, and Jacob begins to mourn. While Jacob is mourning, Joseph is on the road to Egypt. The Ishmaelites trade him, they sell him to a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. And while Joseph was in Potiphar's home, he climbed the ranks of the slaves. Up until he was the highest of Potiphar's house. I mean, he was in charge of everything. He was in control of everything. And one day, the Bible says that Joseph was a very handsome man. Potiphar's wife started to look at Joseph in a way that she shouldn't look at Joseph. And it built up. To the point where she tried to seduce Joseph. And Joseph said, why would I do such a wicked thing against the Lord? He runs away. She has part of his cloak. And then she accuses him of rape. When Potiphar comes home, she says, listen, Joseph tried to rape me. Potiphar takes Joseph and he sends him to prison. What did Joseph do wrong? Nothing. When I think of the story of Joseph, I think of a couple things. One is that farther along, we're going to understand what God's doing. And we'll talk about that at the end. But when you see Joseph stand up for the word of God, when he's being seduced by Potiphar's wife, he knew there would be a consequence for it probably. The question that comes to my mind is, how much are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Remember the story of Daniel, where it became illegal to pray. Would you still pray? And I know people say, well, I'd never know unless I was in that situation. And, and that's true, but we should be thinking about this. Because if you watch the news, you'll see that it's, we're not that far away from things becoming more and more illegal. We're not that far away from losing more and more rights on a global scale. Things are changing. The prayer of protection from ISIS. This, is, this world is changing. It's changing very rapidly. If you think about what the world looked like 10, 15 years ago, what it looks like today, there's a big difference. There is. The attacks in Paris, there was a nationwide calling to prayer. People, I'm praying for Paris, I'm praying for Paris. Yet there's a football coach that was fired because after football games, he would walk to the middle of the field and pray by himself. Sometimes the kids would join him. How much are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? What if it means that you'd go to jail? Are you willing to do that? And yes, we, we, we cannot really know until we're in the situation, but we can start to think about it. We can prepare our hearts and our minds for what is coming because one day it's going to be harder than it is today. Maybe it won't be in your lifetime, maybe not in my lifetime. We, we don't know, but we have to be ready to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and to the Gentile. How much are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Second thing that I see is that maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you've done everything right and you followed what God has told you to do. Maybe following God, it caused you to lose your job. Maybe it caused your marriage to be fractured. Because sometimes when we do the right thing, 
even though we are hoping for these great, tremendous blessings and everything to work out, sometimes it's not easy. Jesus says, for in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. That's one of my favorite verses. If you memorize scripture, that's a verse you should have in your heart. There will be trouble in this world. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. You're going to have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Joseph now finds himself in the trenches of prison. But the Bible says that God was still with Joseph in the trenches of prison. So if you find yourself, I, I know a lot of times in our life, we, we go through these hills, right, where it feels like we're on the mountaintop and then we're in the valley. We're in the mountaintop and we're in the valley. But, but one of the most amazing things about our God is that our God is alive on the mountaintop and our God is alive in the valley, right? He came and met Elijah on the mountaintop. He met Moses on the mountaintop. But he's also in the valleys. He met Joseph in the valley of Joseph's life. He never left Joseph. Joseph finds himself in prison. And while in prison, he gains favor with the warden. The warden sees there's something different about Joseph than there is about all these other prisoners, and Joseph climbs the ladder in prison. That seems to be something that he does. He gets more and more in charge of things because God is with Joseph, and everything that Joseph does becomes successful because Joseph relies on God. Joseph becomes in charge of all the prisoners in the prison. The Bible even goes to the point where it says that the warden didn't even worry about the prison anymore because Joseph was in charge. And Joseph is asked to explain two dreams to the baker and the chief cupmaker, which were also in prison. And he goes ahead and he explains these dreams to them and, and he tells the cupbearer, he says, listen, when you're back in good favors with Pharaoh, please don't forget me. He's following what God is telling him to do. This is years after being taken out of Egypt. He had been a slave. He had been accused of rape when he did nothing wrong at all. And now he's in prison and he's following everything that God wants him to do, but he's still in prison. And he tells the chief cupbearer, remember me when you go back to Pharaoh. And the chief cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh, and guess what? He forgets all about Joseph <laughs> for two years. Two more years, Joseph was in prison. And we say, God, what, what are you doing here? Joseph had done everything right. He hadn't done anything wrong, not that we're made aware of. It makes me think of Pastor Saeed Abedini in Iran. And maybe you've heard me mention his name before. Maybe you've heard of his name. Maybe you pray for him on a regular basis. He did nothing wrong. He's now been in Iran for two years. Right, Jan? Two years? Three years. Three years in an Iranian prison. Three years just for following what God told him to do. If you're curious about him, I would look him up. Saeed Abedini. He's definitely someone that needs your prayers. His family is here in the United States. Three years now, they have to think about their father and their husband being tortured in Iranian prison, being so sick and they're not giving him any medical treatment. Why? Because he is a Christian. How much are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus? Finally, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And Joseph comes before Pharaoh and he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and he, he tells Pharaoh, listen, th there is going to be a famine in the land, but before that things are going to be successful and, and prosperous. And, and Pharaoh says, all right, Joseph, I'm going to put you in charge. So Joseph climbs the ladder again and he gets to the top. God, what are you doing in the life of Joseph? When we, when we look at the story of Joseph, there's so many ups and downs, so many valleys in Joseph's life. The famine that Joseph predicted ultimately brings the sons of Jacob with no other options, his brothers. See, God's plan all along was to save not only Joseph's family, but a bigger picture. And, and so many times in each one of our lives, I think, and I know I am guilty of it, and I have this success box. And when God does something right, that must be exactly where God wanted me to be. That must be all that God wanted me to do. But now God has a bigger plan. Just because Joseph climbed to the top of the slaves at Potiphar's house, that wasn't what God had in store. That was part of it. But there's so much more. There's so much more. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's estimated that it was about 20 years between when Joseph was sold into slavery and when he was finally reunited with his father again. That's a long time to be patient 
to see what God is doing. I can barely sit through a commercial on TV, right? And they seem to be getting worse. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you turn the TV off or mute it. And those Geico commercials, the one that they say, you can't skip this because it's already over. Have you seen those before? You know, I should have had a video to show you this morning. Um, you want to skip it. All, everything that's a part of you wants to just turn the TV off, but you can't because it's already over. It's so frustrating. There's nothing you can do about it. But I can barely sit through a 15-second commercial, wait for 20 years to see what God is doing in my life, to see what God's full purpose was. We have to be patient because it will not be until farther along when we really understand what Jesus is doing in our life. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, that's an absolute truth. The heavens will never be lower than the earth. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I think when we think about that verse, it puts our whole life into a different perspective. God, I don't understand why I lost my job. God, I don't understand why I, I just can't seem to fix this. I'm doing everything that you're telling me to do, but my life continues to be falling apart. God, I don't understand why you've allowed me to be sick. God, I don't understand why you've allowed me to be in this situation at this time. I don't understand why you took my loved one. Let me give you an example in my life. When my grandmother passed away when I was 13 years old, um, I was really upset at the Lord. I really was. And, and I was a 13-year-old, and I, I didn't process it completely. She was a pastor's wife. She died in a car accident where some, it was a teenage girl, pulled out of a place where they have the mirrors that you have to look at to see if someone's coming, and uh, ended up taking her life. And I remember sitting there saying, God, what are you doing? She could have accomplished so much more during her life. She was only in her 50s. And uh, I remember going back to her funeral, and I was angry at the Lord. I really was, in my heart. And it was like 500 people that came to her funeral. Many of them had never heard the word of the Lord before. And uh, maybe this was your plan. Maybe this is what you had in store. See, we don't always understand what God's doing, and I wholeheartedly believe that we might never understand everything that God is doing. I think that when we get to heaven, it's not really going to matter anymore because we're going to be there. But no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter where you've allowed yourself, where you find yourself, remember Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. Remember the story of Joseph. That God's ways are higher than our ways, and he has a plan. It might take him 20 years. It might take him 50 years. It might take him 60 years. He could do it in the snap of his fingers, but God's timing is perfect, and he decides how everything's going to play out. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. Do we believe that this morning? that no matter what you're going through in your life, that there's a plan, that you're not alone. The Bible reiterates again and again that no matter what Joseph was going through, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph was at Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph's in jail. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph's at Pharaoh. The Lord is with Joseph. God never left Joseph. 20 years of ups and downs, 20 years of, of being a slave. And God never left Joseph because God had a greater plan than anything that we could ever understand or imagine. And let me ask you this this morning about your life. Maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it is a job. <laughs> Maybe it's a light going out. I wasn't sure what was going out there. <laughs> but God has a plan. He does. We have to trust that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Let's take our world, for an example. Our world seems to be falling apart. I love to watch the news. It's actually one of my favorite things to do. Recently, I've began to hate to watch the news. Um, it's almost, you can watch it for a couple minutes, and then it's, there's just too much terrible stuff happening in the world. Do we believe that God still has a plan? Absolutely. Is there something that we can hope in? Yes, we can hope that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways and that God's plan is greater than anything we could ever understand, anything that we could ever imagine. So let me challenge you today. 
to give it all to God. Throughout Joseph's 20 years of ups and downs, he gave it all to God. Through prison, through slavery, he gave it all to God. No matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what the doctor has told you, no matter what a therapist might have told you, no matter what happens at your job, God is still God. He is still faithful, and that will never change. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Let's pray. Great God, you are amazing. God, the story of Joseph is just a great reminder Lord, of the fact that, that you are God through every single circumstance that happens in life. God, there are ups and downs in life. We will have trouble. You promise us that. But Lord, we do know that you have overcome the world. You have overcome our situation. God, you are greater than that. It does not mean that life will not be tough, but it means that through tough situations in life, you are still God. You are still good, and you love us more than we can ever understand or imagine. Father, this morning... We ask that if there's anyone here who is wrestling with a situation in their heart, Father. Father, something that, that's just weighing them down this morning, Lord, help them give it to you, Father. We, we cast our burdens on you and only you. Jesus, may you be glorified by us this week. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Tony, for that message. I think a subtitle to that could have been Patience. And that started in Nicaragua when we was over there, Nick, Gene uh, Miller. Uh, they weren't, we weren't turning out trusses quite fast enough for me, and Gene Miller started that, that I don't have patience. So, Tony, you were stepping on my toes a little bit. Okay, will you stand with me and, and sing with me hymn number 103, O Come All Ye Faithful. <clears throat> oh, come all ye
Father, again, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have of gathering together here to worship you and to study your word. We thank you for the message of the morning. Now, Lord, as we scatter as a church, we pray that we would take some of this message with us and be a better testimony and a witness and give us patience to to know your will and then to be guided and directed by your will. Again, we thank you for all you've done for us, what you will do, and we be careful to give you the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you, and you may dismiss.